Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode number 85. doing happy saturday it is now day 100 337 of my quarantine which is getting more strict not less as the days go by i'm holding up all right the family's holding up all right uh i really don't like fomo and there's not a lot of fomo right now so i really had no idea FOMO was such a motivating force in my life, but man, it really was. So, you know, it's going to really suck when the vaccine starts going out. I mean, obviously it's going to be very good when the vaccine goes, starts going out. It's going to be very hard for me because I'm going to be like the last person to leave my house and everybody else will be out there having a good time. And that's going to be hard because then I'll have FOMO again. But other than that, things are great in my house. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, we had a neighborhood bond, not a neighborhood some of our neighbors had a bonfire last night. Not the neighbors to our right that normally have bonfires, although those two were there, but our neighbors across the street and to the left had a little bonfire on their back patio. It was quite nice. It was just the six of us, three couples, all socially distanced, very safe. Uh, first people I've seen outside of the house in quite some time. <laughs> I couldn't actually tell you. Well, probably the last bonfire. That was months ago. Um, there have been bonfires, but I, I couldn't make them for one reason or another. And yeah, it was good. It's good to see people. Uh, one of my neighbors, <laughs> one of my neighbors reads uh, my Facebook posts updates every day and she was talking about them. And then we were talking a little bit about Facebook and the other neighbor said that all his friends, he doesn't really go on Facebook anymore because all his friends on Facebook are either crazy or have gotten radically political in one direction or the other and he can't really deal with it. And I thought that was very interesting and not entirely untrue. So I think that like my Facebook posts are a little bastion of sanity in the world. And uh, that's probably why people like them, I guess, is because they're like looking on Facebook and everybody's crazy. And they're like, oh, this is something not crazy. That's kind of nice. I wonder if it's that bad for people. Uh, mine, you know, I, I, I've blocked and unfriended so many people on Facebook that I, I don't really feel that way. But it was an interesting insight. Nonetheless, I have important Fabergé egg updates. Long-time listeners may recall, I used to have a segment about my Google Alerts. <laughs> I don't really do much with the Google Alerts anymore. How did I bring it back? There's some interesting stuff. But there's a very big Fabergé egg uh, exhibit at the Ermitage in Russia, in St. Petersburg right now. And uh, it includes many Fabergé eggs from this billionaire Russian oligarch that has been notoriously buying up all the Fabergé eggs. And... Uh, this other British Fabergé egg expert said that the whole exhibit was a was a was a atrocity, uh, a sham, and that over twenty of the objects in the exhibit, including several of the eggs, were obvious forgeries. And he was very put out. And the whole exhibit is a tribute to the former curator of Fabergé collectibles at the Hermitage. And they were like, he personally authenticated everyone. Anyway, it's very fascinating, very big scandal going on in the Fabergé community. I thought you all desperately needed to know about that, so I, I passed that on. Uh, in the mail today, I got some stickers. Uh, my friend Nick Bonides, he's out there living his best life. He, uh, he was living in Rhode Island in Providence. I was a little jealous of that. Emma and I always have a secret desire to live in Providence or the Providence area and or be Taylor Swift's neighbor in Watch Hill. 
And, uh, but he bought a brewery in Portland, Maine. Uh, well, he didn't buy a brewery. He bought the various components needed to start a brewery. He bought the equipment from like a failed brewery. He got a space. He has a partner who is a brewer from a well-known brewery and, uh, they're starting a brewery and it's awesome. And it's legit. And they raised a bunch of money. I lent him a little bit of money or just kind of some closing costs, not an investment, just like a sort of quick loan, low interest, help some friends out thing. Uh, but yeah, he sent me some stickers from it. It's called Bellflower Brewing. They just got the sign painted on the side of the wall in Portland on the side of their brewery. Looks great. The logo looks great. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, yeah, so that made me happy. I like to see people living their dreams, you know. Uh, I've decided my new dream is uh, either in plastic recycling I'm getting very obsessed with plastic recycling. There's some really good how-to videos on YouTube on how to do it in your home. And I'm, I'm getting close. Uh, I think the one thing I'm going to do first is buy a shredder, plastic shredder, and start shredding my plastic and keeping it sorted by colors and then start thinking of what to do. I don't know. Maybe I won't get into it. I am really into it academically. And then also a nursery, of course, because I've gone crazy on seeds. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's great to see that uh, Nick doing awesome with his brewery. Made me really happy. Get some stickers to go in my my record crates where I keep all my stickers. Uh, what else is going on in the neighborhood? I am the treasurer of the HOA, and it's been dues month, so all the neighbors paid their dues. Only one or two were late. One of them it wasn't really his fault because he was new to the neighborhood, and I had, he wasn't on the email list, and I hadn't been bugging him. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Dues are paid. Um, I had a whole problem depositing the checks because that particular bank that the HOA, uh, bank account is at, it insists that you handwrite for mobile deposit only on the back of all of your checks, even though checks have a little checkbox where you can just check that not good enough. And none of my other banks do make me do that. So I didn't do it. So I deposited 30 checks and then they're like rejected them all and didn't tell me. And then I had to redeposit them. So that's super fun and not at all tedious. Uh, and I've been really obsessed with finally figuring out online grocery ordering delivery, uh, partially because of the new, more, you know, uh, scarier variants of COVID and I, we have been double masking and I'm not super fond of double masking, so it just seems easier to not go out as much. Uh, but I figured out all the logistics of it. I didn't really want to do it cause I have to go to multiple stores, but I realized one store is really the whole problem. This store Harris Teeter, I really hate it. And so I'm getting the delivery from them cause there's stuff there I need and Janet, my mother-in-law needs. And so we got to go there, but I don't want to go there anymore, but they deliver and they reserve time. So I'm going to do that. And then I'll go to Walmart still each week when I, I have to leave the house once a week to take the recycling to the collection center because it'll just pile up otherwise. Cause I haven't become a recycling obsessive, uh, home recycler yet. Although I'm going to. So on that trip, which is at 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning, I will run over to Walmart. It's always very empty at 7 a.m. And I'll just grab like the three things we need. So uh, my friend Noah is obsessed with the science behind coronavirus. And he tells me it was really about prolonged exposure. So if I can just get in and out of there in 15 minutes is basically my plan. Uh, <laughs> Self-checkout. Nobody there should be fine. Although I have really become friends with the lady at the self-checkout. We had a nice chat last week because I was buying tiny wines. And she, I, I left my ID in the car. She's like, you don't need your ID. Son, I, I know who you are. And I'm like, how do you recognize people through their masks? He's like, well, for starters, you're the only one that comes in with black nail polish. I'm like, all right, that's fair. <laughs> but she's like, it's in the eyes. I recognize people in their eyes. And I was like, oh, you're really cool. I like you. She's cool. So it'd be good to see her. <laughs> My only friend anymore. <laughs> the self-checkout at Walmart. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, and then uh, so completely independently and coincidentally of the GameStop debacle, about five days before that, these people I'm on a Slack group with called the Witty Slack, a bunch of us started uh, stock picking. Not, not, not actually. Okay, let me explain this. So one guy, a noted uh, financial journalist, picks a stock each day, and it's generally like a joke or a meme stock or something. And we all invest $1 in the stock. And then at the end of the year, whatever profits we make, we're going to donate to a charity of his choosing. So it's not really playing the stock market, but we're all kind of like Robin Hood curious. And uh, we, but you know, we, we didn't want to use our real money or anything. So we made this sort of mean, like fun group way to do it. It's been really fun. And then when, and no other guy that runs the Slack, uh, made whipped up like a google sheet that pulls in like stock market data and it updates us once an hour on how our portfolio is doing and our portfolio was doing great except we did buy one meme stock we bought tootsie roll and it tanked our entire portfolio i mean not our entire portfolio but like it took a really long time to bounce back from from that catastrophe uh, i also bought four dollars of amc at 18 dollars <laughs> now it's down at like nine so i'm going to stick with my normal investing which is like uh index funds <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's been kind of fun it's been a good distraction uh the kittens are now basically cats they're doing well mostly allowed to roam the house roy the black one the boy he likes uh he's way more adventurous than keely the calico girl cat she does not really leave the upstairs on the kitten on the kitty trees um jane is kind of terrorizing the cats but they're young they can handle it she chases them around and you know, it's funny, when we had her old cat, Fanny, who was literally old, she was like 17 years old, she couldn't run around, and Jane learned to be gentle with her, but I think because these cats can run around, Jane's just like a, a tyrant to them. It's a lot. It's a lot of small creatures running around the house all the time. Uh, and Jane's doing good. She's very, very good at coloring. Like, I think, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to be one of those parents, but I think she's probably way better. I mean, she's literally better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and she's definitely better than I ever was as a kid. Uh, it's crazy. Um, she's very good. Like, I can't tell the difference between hers and Janet's coloring because they color together every morning. She's learning a lot of her states. She can't do the center of the country yet, but she can do Alaska and Hawaii and all the states on the borders. She's, you know, she's going around. She knows daddy was born in Alaska and mommy was born in Connecticut and Grammy was born in Massachusetts. She knows all that. She knows she was born in North Carolina. She can point out Florida and Texas and Arizona and Washington. It's very impressive. Um, she's very far along in learning to read, uh, which is kind of crazy. I'm wearing my great Scott t-shirt this morning. She sounded that out. She figures out bands on the radio by looking at the little display screen on the wall. We have an XM radio built into our house, which we thought was really dumb, but it's turned out to be really useful. Uh, she's learning to read from it <laughs> this morning. She went over, she's like, new order, blue Monday. I'm like, my God, that's really impressive. So she's doing good still throws fits. Not as bad as before and i can kind of get her out of them but uh yeah i'm i'm enjoying her right now i think she's meaner to mommy than she is to daddy though emma's a little bit more exhausted than i am uh this you know i will say we just both skimmed not read an article in the new york times about the the, the trauma that this pandemic is placing upon women and how the burden of the child care is falling on them and i i don't claim to do 50 percent of the child care but i absolutely claim that i am probably in the top like 
two percentile of American men who are in a married relationship with children doing their share. After she read the article, she was like, I don't think most men do as much as you do for child care. And I was like, I absolutely know they don't. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's tough, but also I work full time and Emma doesn't. So that's kind of, you know, it's part of it, I guess. Uh, but I like it. I'm, I, I think Jane's doing great and I really enjoy it. They're outside right now, actually running around. Well, I'm sitting in here doing the podcast, so that clearly is proof that Emma does more than I do with the childcare. But I try. I try. We watched some nice videos this morning, Jane and I. We watched uh, The Chateau Guy. I learned how to take seeds out of tomatoes and uh, prepare them for replanting, because another one of my overly ambitious life goals is to stop buying seeds and uh, re-harvest them from my tomatoes. That's not going to happen from things like celery or basil, obviously. Maybe basil. Actually, basil might be doable. But when possible, with the bigger seeds, tomatoes, cucumbers, and whatnot, I would like to reuse my seeds. So watch some videos on that. We watched a video on a guy building a railing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, educational YouTube. Really into it. Oh, these people that make like guitar picks out of plastic. Those guys are great. They're called Brothers Create. Really like them. Uh, Jane was mesmerized. Anyway, that's going well. Diet's going pretty well. Slow as fuck. Uh, I've lost 13, maybe 14 pounds total. I only lost one pound in the last week, though. It's rough. Uh, I'm not being super strict. I mean, I'm being super strict, but I'm being lazy. Um, there's no new bad food going into the house, but I was finishing up some of the old stuff. Drinking wine, like, one glass every two days, uh, which is probably not helping, and that's during the fast, which is definitely cheating. So that's, you know, I could be doing better. But, you know, it's uh, winter and I'm not exercising at all and I'm losing weight. So really, that is uh, more than enough to ask for, I think. Let's see. Yeah, what else? What else? Work is going great. Work is awesome. <laughs> uh, as you may know, I run a company that uh, provides ad auctions to mobile apps. Uh, I also run a company, the same company that owns a mobile app called TimeHop. Uh, when I say run it, I run the operations. I am COO. In the world of mobile advertising, a company you may have heard of called Apple has decided that we now need to require positive opt-in for tracking ads in our apps. Uh, to clarify, this has always been optional. There has always been a setting in your mobile device that allows you to turn off ad tracking, and over half of iOS, iOS users already do that. But apparently that wasn't enough and they want it to be opt-in. So that's fine, whatever, I don't care. Uh, generally, I believe in that sort of thing. I have some quibbles with the specifics of their implementation, specifically that you are not allowed to put that functionality and limit certain app functionality. For instance, you can't say, hey, if you turn on ad tracking so we can make more money, you can have this new feature. I can see the pros and cons of that. Like I get where they're coming from, but I think that would have been a nice thing to have. But, uh, you know, they didn't do that. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, nobody knows what's going to happen to revenue. So uh, both sides of my company, like TimeHop makes its uh, money off of advertising. We don't do a lot of tracking, but we will now need people to put that opt-in. And when they do, recall this functionality, functionality already existed on your phone. They're just moving it to opt-in instead of opt-out. When so we know you know it was all built like we either send the ad ID if they gave us permission or we don't if they don't half of them already didn't that we assume most of the rest are also not going to so you know we can project out the math and it's it's fine it, it, it will be unpleasant but we can still we'll still be a profitable company 
shouldn't be like life-threatening or anything like that. Same thing on the other side of the company, the ad auction side of the company. Many of our clients pay by CPM, you know, X number of dollars per thousand auctions they run, that sort of thing. It wouldn't affect those at all. The other ones are on rev share will maybe affect them we will see whatever i don't really care it's coming it was supposed to come last year uh apple got a lot of grief for not explaining how all this was going to work uh rightfully so i think so they postponed it um and i'm kind of a little disappointed they postponed it because we were ready to go a lot of people were not ready to go because they weren't giving us clear instructions but we were mostly ready to go uh with some guesses uh, one of the reasons we're ready to go is like we aren't trying to do anything super quick, right? On the day it happens, we're just going to start sending zeros and then later on we'll start asking and we're, you know, we might eat some revenue for a few days or whatever. But some people like really wanted to do it all on day one, which means we would have had time to sort of see how Apple did judgments on certain things people can't tell if are still allowed or not. We were going to take a wait and see attitude, right? So now, you know, it'll, it's going to happen in six, seven more weeks now. End of March seems to be the consensus. And uh, we still don't know certain things. Apple hasn't really said. So that all just six, wait, six months, we just have been sitting here in limbo. And in all of this is to say, I'm very excited that the limbo will soon be ending. Because I just want to get on with my life, you know? Like, I don't like this big event that could unlikely but could have major ramifications for the revenue of my company and so it's affected things like hiring plans like i don't want to hire extra people until i know that the revenue's there to support it because we're not like uh, you know we are venture backed for long ago but this company runs it's a profitable company it runs out of the money it makes right so i can't spend more than i make crazy thing in the tech world but that's what we do so, you know, got to find out. So I just want this to be over with. So I know what our revenue is going to be like afterwards and I can just move on. And uh, I'm glad it's finally happening. Revenue has been very good in the meantime. We had our best January ever. Typically January is awful and it was still awful compared to December, you know, advertising, right? Christmas, Black Monday was our biggest day last year. Black Friday, not Black Monday. Black Monday was in the top five. Um, and January is always really low, but this year January was like way higher than last January. So that was a really good sign. That felt good. That was good. We got a lot of products. We're building two big new major things, three big new major things. Uh, Kristen, the VP of product, just sent me some like great comps last night. I just feel really good about this year. Work's been going really well. It's nice, you know? Uh, yeah, it's pleasant. Anyway, and then uh, what else we got? Yeah, projects. All right. So been doing the time lapses in the backyard. I think I got about the perfect one for a while. Uh, they're up on YouTube. They're really nice. I really like them. Try to keep doing some more, but it got too cold and the camera was starting to freeze out there. Um, it will work, but you know, it's overnight and there's a timer and it just sort of shuts down. So I've given up on that. Uh, and I want to do more, but I need to buy this track, right? So like a mobile track rig, I've been doing a lot of research and they make some that are kind of affordable for like people like me, like iPhone hobbyist enthusiast photographers. And you know, so what a track track does is like your camera moves slowly while it's taking the time lapse. And it just gives the whole thing like a little bit more dimensionality, you know what I mean? But you know, they're like 200 bucks and that's like a real purchase. And, uh, this is just kind of a hacky hobby. So I don't know if I'm ever going to buy it. I, what I'm hoping is that like, and this is going to be hard because I'm not quite spending enough at all, but like eventually my Amazon reward dollars will be enough to buy that. That's my goal there. So I've been, I've been putting off the time lapses of the guard of the outside, the woods, the trees, I call them on YouTube. 
but they were going great. I feel really good. And then I did a time lapses, some time lapses yesterday of the seed planting, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But that was kind of fun. Uh, Paul, one of the listeners of this, he said, I'm having trouble picturing this whole seed planting thing. And I want a movie. And I don't think he meant what I'm doing. I think he just meant while you're doing it, shoot a little, you know, movie. And I did that. I stuck one up on Instagram stories, but I was like, I'm going to try and make a YouTube video. Like I'm a YouTuber (laughs) to clarify. I don't intend to become a YouTuber. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not a good gardener. I mean, I'm learning a lot from other YouTubers. Um, but I just wanted to see if I could do it. And, you know, like I was doing these time lapses and I'm doing these gardening. I was like, we'll combine these two hobbies because I can't do the time lapses out in the garden or in the yard anymore. So, yeah, I, I shot all this footage yesterday while planting my seeds. And then after this the podcast, if there's some time or tomorrow, if there's not, I'm going to start assembling it, which is a whole other question. Uh, I haven't used the video editing program in years. Uh, iMovie kind of sucks. It's just like laggy and slow. They've not fixed it. I haven't used I use iMovie once a year. Because I make a film of, I'm not going to do it this year, but for the first three years of her life, I made these movies of Jane, took photos every day in front of my computer and made these movies. She doesn't want to do it as much anymore, so they've, they've kind of petered out. But I have the first three years. It's nice. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So once a year, I go into iMovie, and it's not good, and it's just always like beach balls. And mind you, I have the fastest Mac ever made, so it's just insane that it beach balls. So I'm like, well, I could use Final Cut. I used to use Final Cut. I own Final Cut Pro. Um, but I haven't used it in like four versions and I have no idea how hard it's gotten. And I was like, and I could use Premiere. We have the Adobe suite and we pay for that. And you know, Emma's, Emma pays for that, but you get two seats. So I get it for free. Uh, but I haven't used Premiere since the nineties. <laughs> and then I was like, well, you still use Photoshop all the time and you learned it in the nineties and you know, you open it up and you can recognize it from the nineties. Maybe Premiere is vaguely similar. I'm like, yeah, but I've been opening up Photoshop every year of my life, several times a year. It's not like I use it full time for my job anymore, but I never stopped using it, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm going to poke around with this tomorrow. I actually think, you know what, I'm going to make this tomorrow's project because I'm going to try and decide if I'm going to relearn one of these video editing programs. Do I do Final Cut? Do I do Premiere? Or do I stick with iMovie? I don't know. That's the question for today. And then we got the gardening. The gardening is going awesome. So yesterday I spent six hours. Some of time, some of that time, like an hour, was the filmmaking component, setting up all my clamps and tripods and doing the little narrations, but uh, six hours of planting seeds. I have a nice shelf over the last week. I got all the grow lights strapped into it, four shelves. Uh, you know, managed to do all the cable maintenance, got everything Velcroed into place, tried to put it on casters, ordered some casters from Amazon. They were the wrong ones, even though they specifically said they were the right ones. I had to return them. Emma ordered a pair because she thought she needs a pair for another shelf. Also the wrong one. So we don't have the casters. Kind of a bummer. Um, the shelf is in the garage. I was going to do it in the attic. Emma said we should do it in the garage. And it's pretty funny because there's like eight. They're really late. They're really low wattage, you know, like 30 watt LED lights. Um, and that's 30 watt equivalent, whatever they they combined the seven lights draw less than 0.1 kilowatt hours. I have an app. I can check it, but they make the whole garage glow ultraviolet, like this you know, like purple pink color. And it like glows through the windows at night onto the street. And it looks like I'm growing pot in the garage. It's really funny, but I think I'm just going to leave it. Uh, anyway, I, I, I planted about 600 cells of plants. Um, I did two kinds of spinach and two kinds of broccoli and at least six kinds of basil, more like eight purple and Asian and Thai and Aristotle and sweet. And oh my God, Genevieve and holy and uh, so cinnamon, so many basils, uh, peppers. I recall that I'm overwintering about 20 pepper plants from last year. So I only planted, 
stuff that was adding to my pepper collection. Uh, some shishitos, some bananas, a lot of more bell peppers. I only had one bell pepper plant last year, and I'm not even sure it's overwintering. But all my Thai pepper plants, I'm I'm overwintering, and I'm oh, I'm terrified. I, they better they better come back. I'll be so bummed if they don't. Uh, tomatoes, a lot of San Marzano and Roma. Then I had this like six variety heirloom thing so i planted like or eight variety heirloom thing i planted those and then some generic cherry tomatoes i ordered on amazon at the beginning of last year <laughs> when i thought you could order seeds on amazon don't order your seeds on amazon uh but i was like well i have them so i just planted them <laughs> we'll see if those come up uh cauliflower lufa there's this guy i watch uh called next level gardening he's in san diego and he planted loofahs last year and emma was like we should get loofahs and i'm like yeah all right so I planted some loofah, some yellow onions, some shallots, some Brussels sprouts, and some fennel. And I have some baby bok choy and some Napa cabbage coming. Should arrive in the next day or two, and I'll get that in. So I planted all that. It was crazy. Dirt, water, whole kit and caboodle. Uh, yeah, and so now they're in there. They're under their humidity domes. It's about 78 degrees in the garage under the humidity domes, so it should be good. Should be good. I'm excited. Uh, got some tomato hooks coming, so I've got this whole new plan for my tomatoes. My tomatoes started out strong last year, and then they started fading because I couldn't really trellis them right. So I've got a whole system. I figured out what I'm going to do. Emma is not psyched about it, but I'm going to make these poles on the patio. I'm doing this on the patio. I have to do this on the patio because I've got animals. My dream is to maybe fence in with chicken wire some part of our yard someday and... Uh, you know, so the deer can't get into our food, but for now, my growing is going to be mostly on the patio and then two large containers down here in the backyard and then some other stuff in the backyard. I tried this year that I know that the deer and the squirrels don't like like peppers and stuff like that will be downstairs, but the tomatoes are going to be upstairs. And so I'll have my, I have my patio and I'm going to have these eight foot garden sticks, stakes, you know, like those metal green poles and I put them I'm at cable time to the patio poles and then I've got like PVC tees and I put those on the top and then through the top of all the tees I put like a piece of gray electrical conduit and, you know strap it all down and then you got a trellis and then you plant your tomatoes and you use these hooks and string and you basically move the hooks and so the tomatoes grow straight up single vine and you can get them really long and you can get tons of them on there so that's my plan for this year just this wall of tomatoes not sure how that's going to work with sun to the rest of the, <laughs> the garden the patio but uh we'll figure it out i'm excited oh and i got this green stock planter thing which holds about 40 one, two, three, four, five, six, six, yeah about 40 uh different kinds of plants so that'll be good like uh i'm gonna get some more weird stuff when um i have a bunch of direct sown stuff i couldn't plant right like i have a list that you can get off of garden.org you type in your zip code it tells you what you can do in seeds and what you direct sow. so i have you know, like 15 20 more types of vegetables and fruit to grow but it's all direct so like carrots you direct so you don't you don't transplant from seedlings so i got you know that's all coming yeah it's exciting uh, and then i got these things called birdies beds they're like big containers but they're like you can stand up and work at them they're huge and i got two of them from another youtube guy called epic gardening i think he's in texas no he's in he's in california too uh yeah i think he's in southern california too and uh that's where all the peppers are going to go because they're going to go right outside my studio window here uh, in this mulch bed here. And uh, yeah, and then I got two great plants. I'm going to grow those in buckets this year and see if I can just get them kicked off with a, a, a stake, garden stake trellis. And then if they work, I got to find somebody like a landscaper or a construction guy or something to build me a trellis, like a sort of like a pergola type trellis outside the, this window here. We'll see if that happens. Uh, and then Emma was doing a bunch of landscaping. 
she's been doing this whole project. I don't really tell you guys about it, but it's like awesome. We have on our property, there's an acre we never used to really go to. It's behind Janet's house and it's got this ravine down to a creek. The creek goes under the road in the spring. It's spring fed Creek, other side of the road. I would love to actually own the spring, but they're never, they're never going to move. Um, but the Creek goes into our property and then it feeds our pond. Right. And so, but it's in this ravine, but Emma over the last two years has been carving stairs into the ravine and then, you know, using wood to make stairs and then covering it in moss by making moss milk and transplanting moss onto these stairs. And then she redid our drainage. <laughs> it's amazing. right? So like at the drainage of the house, ever since we bought it, it was kind of dumb and the front yard drained across the driveway. And then they redid the drainage when they built Janet's house. So it would go in this sort of ravine, little, little creek like ravine to the right of her house that flowed then down the big ravine into the creek. And then they had put like rocks in that ravine, but that's also exactly where you wanted to walk from our driveway into Janet's backyard. So then, but they were like the round rocks, like the posh round rocks. Right. So then we bought, went and bought a ton of flat stepping stone pavers and Emma reworked that whole thing. So you could walk in the ravine. It also handles the drainage, but now you can also walk in into the backyard. And then she was like, this yard doesn't go far enough. There's all these garbage trees here. She just wanted a bunch of work done. So she called the landscapers, got an estimate to redo all that and the drainage to the front yard. So it's no longer going across our pavement because it was starting to mess up the pavement. It was just bad done. So now it's going into the, the ditch in the front yard. Um, but anyway, in doing all that, she added some plants and all that. And they, so they're buying, they're bringing a bunch of dirt. And I was like, oh, are they now? So I was like, can you just have them bring an extra cubic yard of topsoil for me? She was like, yeah, no problem. So I got a cubic yard of topsoil for basically for free because, you know, I mean, this job was, I don't know, it's a couple grand. It was a lot of money, but she was really, she paid for it out of her money. She really wanted to do it. We have very complicated finances in this house. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I got this like free cubic yard of dirt. It's awesome. Uh, and then I got the dirt from last year and I got the compost and I got some vermiculite. So I'll be manufacturing my own dirt, which is going to rule. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, so that's the gardening. It's going well. Hopefully by the time I talk to you guys again, I will have some shoots coming out of my plants in the garage. That'll be really fun. Studio reorg isn't really happening right now. Um, it's in a good place, actually, to be fair. A couple things have happened. Uh, I got this thing. So I forgot I bought this. It was like a Kickstarter almost a year ago. And it just arrived. I love electronics Kickstarters because you forget you did them. And, uh, and then one day they just show up. And it's kind of awesome. And so this one is called Oda Live. O-D-A Live. And it's a speaker system. And it, they're really cool looking. They're like wood and they're like vertical. They look like sort of like 12 inch record frames, frames like wall frames for 12 inch records. And they're wood, kind of a medium stain. And uh, then it's got this cool handmade sort of metal like knob control thing. But their whole thing is like, it's also got an app and it's Wi-Fi connected and they do live performances and all that. And like, yeah, it's still getting off the ground and they're kind of cool. And then it also plays some ambient noises, which is really nice. Um, but it does have a line in and I swapped out these old bows, like really, really old. I mean, probably bought them in, well, not, I mean, I guess the speakers last forever. So I'm not talking like sixties bows. I'm talking like crappy 2002 bows, desktop computer system speakers, right. That are shockingly versatile. And Emma and I, when we met, we both had a pair and we still have both pairs. It's kind of crazy, but uh, they were what I had my record player hooked up to. It's not like an audiophile situation. It's like the, like a record player with RCA outs and USB out, like audio technica, not a posh, like, you know, tech 12 or something or Royce or whatever. I don't have a fancy record player. I have a record player that I can rip records to digital from. But anyway, I got the line out. I put it into these new Oda live speakers instead of my Bose and it sounds fucking awesome. 
<laughs> just sounds so good. Uh, and so I have this comfy chair in my room and I put it right between the speakers and I got a little footrest and a end table. And it's only like five feet from where I am now, but when I'm not too busy at work, I'll just move over there. I'll set my phone down next to me, leave the audio on my computer. So if somebody slacks me or something like that, I will, I can hear it and I'll go back to work, but I can just take a little rest and listen to music. And it's just, it's fucking great, man. I'm really into it. Oda live. Check it out. I'm excited for the live performances. Uh, it's, I don't really, I mean, I'm excited in concept, but you know, live streaming during pandemic has been hard for me. I got a very rigid schedule. I got a kid, I got a job. I don't have a lot of free time and uh, I can't be like, oh, it's 8 p.m. Central time. It's time to listen to this band play live. Like uh, one of my favorite things is low. Every Friday they play live Friday on a low, but it's on Instagram and they, they leave it up for a while. It's on Instagram TV. And so I can watch it like the next morning, you know, like that's great. I love it when they do that, but I can't do like things that are on schedule that isn't mine. So I don't know if I'm ever going to hear the live performances, but uh, they are great speakers and I strongly recommend it. It's probably hella expensive. I'm not going to go look. <laughs> I bought it a long time ago and I didn't care about money. Um, that's not all entirely true. It was like some friend work there too. And I felt like I needed to support it. I don't remember, but they're great. They are great. Uh, and I am thinking I'm going to do the shelves. I'm still not 100% sure. Uh, I look at that wall every day and I'm just like... I could really use that storage space. I could really use it. But I'm still sitting on that decision to see how I feel. Maybe a spring thing. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing, the big thing is that I finished the four track and cassette archiving project. Yay! It has been 53 weeks since I started it. And I finished last weekend. So actually, it was 52 weeks on the nose. It took exactly a year. I ripped every cassette tape I owned. As you may recall, I started with the mixtapes. That's how the Facebook post started. I was posting mixtapes, but in parallel to that, I, when that was done, I decided to start ripping my, uh, my own old band music, demos, things like that. Required it a four track. I bought, oh my God, I can sell it now. Oh, that's exciting. And it needs more space on the shelves. Uh, I bought a Tascam Porta 7, which is the four-track recorder I owned in my youth, and I remixed and exported and recorded to digital into Logic. All the old four-track mixes. Uh, got some good stuff in this last batch, uh, live in the studio session from a band I was in called Transportation that was basically what Rockets vs. the Streetlamps were before Rockets, slight lineup difference. And uh, a solo thing, like I, it was called Medication Ripoff. I was literally trying to make, rip off the song Medication by Spiritualize. It doesn't sound anything like Medication by Spiritualize. I can kind of see why I thought that. I was using it, whatever. It, it's okay. It's okay. A lot of that stuff was okay. But uh, I'm glad I have it all digitally, and I'm glad the project is done. And in also in doing it, there's this counter, work counter in my studio. And it sticks right in the middle of the room. And... The last, uh, like, say, six feet by five feet of it. It's a big working surface. That's, like, my main work surface for doing projects. And the tapes have been taking up for a year. And so last Friday, for the first time in a year, it was empty, and it was beautiful. Right now, it's got some shit on it. It's got the label printer. It's got a CD that just came in the mail. It's got a pair of wire strippers. And it's got my box of uh, uh, label-making tape. And a bar shaker I can't get the lid off of. But all that will get fixed by tomorrow. The workspace is is clear. It's just so exciting. I'm so happy that project is done. So that's kind of why I'm waiting on making a decision on the shelves. Now that I actually have my work service back, I'm like, do I need this? I don't know. So we're going we're gonna to kind of think about that for a little bit. So yeah, that's what's going on in the world. Let's talk about some media. 
okay, yeah, let's see. Got a lot of stuff added up into Plex. Um, some of these I've talked about, some of these I haven't. Uh, B-movie, Love and Lust. Love, uh, let's try that again. B-movie, Lust and Sound in West Berlin, 1979 to 1989. This was a film that Og Stone recommended and sent to me because he wanted to watch it and I ripped it because it was a, a European uh, and PAL encoded DVD. And it's great. It is a documentary about West Berlin rock and roll scene, 1979 to 1989. There is a scene in it where Blixa Bargeld is playing a solo show on a platform in a fashion store with nothing but a kid's toy piano. And it is completely mesmerizing. That man is insanely talented. And I have sort of started to take him for granted, but seeing young Blixa in his prime is a sight to behold, man. <laughs> Uh, I watched the Swans documentary. Uh, I think I talked about it last week. Where does his body end by the Swans? Oh, yeah, that's right. I talked for 12 minutes about the Swans last week. Anyway, the movie is now in my Plex. Uh, Dog Called Money, which is a PJ Harvey documentary. That is now in my Plex. I haven't watched that yet. I'm going to watch it this week. Phantom Thread is in my Plex. I still haven't watched Phantom Thread. I need to watch that. That's why it's in my Plex. The Dead Don't Die, the last uh, Jim Jarmusch film is up there. I love that film. I thought it was great. A lot of people didn't like it deadpan comedy and zombies <laughs> tom waits <laughs> it's, i think it's great i might watch it again southland tales uh i bought the blue new recent re uh, re-release blu-ray of it two disc set includes a theatrical cut and an 18 minute long longer version the can cut the, the cut was shown at the can film festival i am a big fan of southland tales a lot of people don't like it a lot of people think it's garbage i think it's great I rewatched it and I was mesmerized the whole time. I just think it's one of the weirdest movies and the plot does mostly make sense. If you pay attention, sometimes I had to rewind, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I really like that movie. Uh, taste may vary. Uh, two movies that have been getting a lot of renown that I couldn't find anywhere. So I pirated, uh, nomad land and first cow. If I ever find them on a streaming service or something, I will, you know, I'll make sure the, creators get some cash somehow but uh i couldn't find them anywhere and i was getting frustrated so i just downloaded them so they're both out there i haven't watched them yet ode to billy joe the film based on the bobby gentry song is up there i rewatched that that is crazy i do not remember it being so crazy and two Marilyn monroe films that og wanted to see gentlemen prefer blondes and the seven year itch Got those from Netflix and put them up for Og and the Wesley Willis documentary, The Daddy of Rock and Roll. Have not watched that yet. It's a very low res version. And just when I put it up there, I realized it's actually available for streaming on Amazon. So I'll probably watch it on Amazon. But it's up there if you don't have Amazon. Uh, yeah, and the four track thing is done. Uh, but then the other big news and trends in archiving is my old, very good friend and former bandmate and partner in design firm, Annie Smith. She still lives in Massachusetts. She's great, but she has a lot of old mini DV tapes that we used to shoot together. And she has kept them all these years and she's been archiving and ripping them to digital and sharing them with me in a Dropbox. And it is fucking awesome. So for starters, she put about six shows from the tour that she and I put on uh, this band called Cindy Talk. In 1996, Annie and I brought this band over from England and put them on tour around America. It was great. And uh, I had not seen any of those shows 
obviously in years and I did not have any video of them or audio of them. I remember them being amazing, but I did not really, uh, really remember some of the songs I had forgotten all about. Some of the songs are stuck in my head all the time. Like the first two songs cover of the first time ever I saw your face and, uh, uh Sydney talk song called muster. But so other ones like Canto, I'd forgot all about. I forgot about the Brian Eno cover. And anyway, I watched one of them. I watched the Minneapolis show, which was at Prince's Nightclub Quest. Uh, it was a video mini DV, a three chip mini DV camera, the Sony TRV 900. I remember it vividly. It was a great camera. And she recorded it from the sound booth. So, you know, good stereo imaging, not a board mix or anything, but it sounds really good. And it's just, it was phenomenal. I watched snippets of the other ones, the, the Black Cat Show in D.C., uh, Charlotte, Tremont Music Hall, uh, L.A., out in Corona. <laughs> but really, I watched most of the other ones just for the, the home video portions of the band members and me and Annie and uh, my girlfriend at the time, Megan, who was on the tour with us. And it was awesome. They were great. Also, she recorded Bowery Electric. I have not watched this yet, but Bowery Electric did the first part of the tour with us. So they she recorded, I think, yeah, the... Quest show at Minneapolis Princess Club. She also recorded Bowery Electric, and I'm very excited to watch that. I'm going to watch that this weekend, probably. Uh, then she recorded another thing she recorded was an old band I was in called The Choice of Tragedy. No, never mind. That wasn't my band. We are all drainage for angels. Boston was really into long band names. <laughs> this is a band I was in with my partner at Barbarian Group, Ben Palmer, and had some other rotating members, including our friend Maddie Poitras and uh, Chris Ewan of the Magnetic Fields of Future Bible Heroes was in the band with us. He, those two are playing this show with us. Uh, and it's awesome. You know, it's noise rock. It's like in the, of the Masana Merzbau pure noise mold. We are very into those bands. Uh, and, you know, so it's boring in some extent, uh, but it's also interesting to some extent. And like, I'm listening to it and I'm like, this is just a drone of noise. But then I'll like kind of zone out for a few minutes and I'll come back and be like, this drone of noise is completely changed. It's not the same drone of noise it was five minutes ago, but I never actually noticed it changing. So, you know, it is actually decently done noise rock. Uh, I, I don't remember our band being quite as good as it actually is. You probably wouldn't like it. It's up on Plex in, under music videos. If you don't have access to the music video folders, drop a line and I will hook you up with it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty good. And then she also put up there two shows by a band called The Choice of Tragic Wives that we were really, really into. They were a great local Boston band in the 90s. I have not watched those yet. I'm saving those for a special occasion. Because I haven't seen or heard The Choice of Tragic Wives in ages. I do think I have a couple audio tracks of theirs, but this whole live show is Middle East Upstairs. It's very exciting. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, mostly in my plex. I don't think The Choice of Tragic Wives is yet. Uh, yeah, Discogs. <laughs> plex is now venturing into the world of original content, I guess. Discogs, I sold a bunch of stuff. I sold the Bobby Gentry Delta Suite double CD reissue that uh, was accidentally sent to me when I ordered the vinyl. So I made profit on that. That's kind of nice. Sold Mother's Heaven, an album by the band Texas. Really like that album. Uh, sad to see it go. I'm not going to buy the vinyl. Actually, never mind. I already own the vinyl. <laughs> I bought the vinyl randomly for like three bucks at School Kids Records on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Not that long ago before, well, over a year now, but pre-pandemic. Uh, sold the best of the Bee Gees. Been selling a lot of my Bee Gees stuff because of the documentary, I assume. Nobody's bought Horizontal yet, though. <laughs> Sold the Tear Garden album to be an angel blind, crippled soul divine, and I'm totally bummed I sold that because I just realized they have never reissued it on vinyl, so I now don't own a copy, but whatever, I ripped it to Lossless first, I'll live. Sold the Into My Arms single by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, uh, that's fine, I do own the 7-inch of that, so I guess I'm good there. 
and Percolator by All, which I don't even know why I owned, and it was never a big All fan. And I think I may have mentioned that one last week. It was on the day of the podcast, so I can't remember if I mentioned it or not. I got a lot of vinyl in the mail. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> I mean, it's at the rate of almost one a day. It's kind of problematic. I don't have room for it. I need to stop. It's not, none of it's expensive. I'm not buying rarities, but like, in fact, I'm generally looking for deals. And, I, you know, it's probably 50 bucks total, 60 bucks. Yeah, that's a lie. It's probably like, it's, it's more. Ooh, I don't want to think about it. Uh, I did just work on my taxes, though, and I saw how much I have vinyl as a separate category in my Quicken, and I looked at how much I spent across all of last year, and it's not that much. It is less than 1% of my income, so I, it's it's fine. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Crystallized Movements. This is a New England psychedelic band that later became Magic Hour, and I, Annie and I were very obsessed with them. They were Magic Hour when we were around, but there was a couple of Crystallized Reunions, Crystallized Movement Reunions, so I did get to see Crystallized Movements a couple times. But I never owned any of the records. I had a lot of Magic Hour. I was buying a Juno record, Space is Hot, Juno being Mark Orleans' band, uh, my friend that passed away last year. Oh, God, it was last year now. That's crazy. Uh, I just wanted to own it, and I, so I was buying it from this record store in Western Mass on Discogs, and they're like, would you also like this Crystallized Movements record? And I was like, wow, that's the best recommendation the internet has ever given me, because yes, I would want this Crystallized Movements record. How did you know? <laughs> For $4. You know? So uh, yeah, I got this, The Wideness Comes by Crystallized Movements, and it's so awesome. I think it's on, no, Crystallized Movements is not on Spotify, so you can't listen to it, but oh my god, it's such a good record. And then Space is Hot by Juno. Uh, I saw Juno live so many times and I remember like them a lot and I think that the B-side of the space is hot it's an LP but it's two sides but the B-side is a live show at TT's and I'm 90% sure I was actually at that show so that's kind of nice that was a good one uh, Thalia Zydex band uh, Thalia Zydex band Thalia Zydex band Thalia Zydex band <laughs> uh, I got one of their albums called Via I've been trying to get all the Thalia albums uh, I knew her a little bit back in Boston not super well because we were both very shy. I know I don't seem like a shy person, but I was around her because those guys are so, so cool. Uh, actually, coincidentally, I also got a Chris Brokaw record, his new record, uh, Puritans, this week. So I bought two records by two different members of the Boston band Come in the year 2021. Kind of weird. But uh, Vio is awesome. Great record. Really into it. Uh, it's an older one. I'm just slowly buying them all. They're all on my want list. So when I buy something on Discogs, you know, shipping is the big obstacle with Discogs, right? There's a ton of stuff. I'll talk about this in a minute that's for sale for like a dollar on discogs but then they're like it's also six dollars shipping which is you know annoying also it's book rate so i don't understand why people people gouge you on shipping it's a thing so i'm always trying to like buy these add-ons right so if i'm like buying a record i look at my want list and i buy anything else from that same person that they have because it's cheaper right? you save money <laughs> you save money by buying more records so yeah anyway so that oh, i don't know where i was going with that oh yeah so some of these like yeah that's an old one it was in my want list and i was like okay yeah cheap dahlia record let's get it uh, medium, medium. Actually, this is what I was buying when I got the Thalia record. The Glitter House, medium, medium, you may recall, is the band, the predecessor band to Sea Cat Trance, who I'm very obsessed with. Uh, I talked a lot about them several episodes back. Uh, they, their hit single, Shake the Mind. Sea Cat Trance is on, actually, both are on uh, Spotify. But yeah, so I got that vinyl, Glitter House. It's kind of like a compendium vinyl. Uh, it's their album with a bunch of extra stuff. It's a reissue. It's nice. Uh, microphones, it was hot, so we stayed in the water. Uh, I'm obsessed with the microphones and uh, Mount Erie, Phil Overnum's two bands. I just love him so much. Yeah. 
So I got another one of those. Always picking those up whenever I can. I'm buy, I buy those direct from his band camp, actually. I just, I just send Phil over to money. <laughs> Yesterday, I, when I was gardening, my Spotify played a song, a live song from his album, Afro, the one that's after, the, the one that's about the first time he met his wife. If you don't know the whole thing, like he was with this woman for 13 years and they had a kid together and then she died. And it's so sad. And he says all oh, so many songs about it. And I was just like, I feel so bad. I hope his daughter's doing okay. And I just got so sad, you know, like I moved me, man. Uh, anyway, and then uh, Swan's Burning World and Level Terrace Apart. You don't really need to own these because, well, Level Terrace Apart you need to own because it seems like Michael Girard is embarrassed about it and he does not reissue it on any of his copious reissues. But most of the Burning World, along with a bunch of stuff from that time period, are on Spotify under various failures. It's called it's a compilation album. Uh, but I wanted the actual Burning World vinyl, all the earliest swans I have on vinyl, except for that one. So I shelled out a little bit for that. People, people know that that's rare. So I think it's like 30 bucks. It's kind of a bummer. Same with Level Terrace Apart. It's like $25 of that 12 inch. I thought I already owned it. It was weird and I didn't. So I was like, well, I need to own a copy of this. I just sucked it up. Brian Eno, film music, 1976 to 2020. This is a new release. I got it from Rough Trade. It is exactly what it said. It's a lot of music that Brian Eno has made for films in the last 30, 40 years. And it's great. It's ambient Brian Eno, a little bit of pop. He even sings on it a little bit. Uh, what do we got next? What are we going to? Oh, yeah. Chris Brokaw, Puritan. New album by Chris Brokaw. That guy is awesome. Uh, knew him a little bit as well in the 90s in Boston. He was a friend of my friend Jill's, and uh, I liked him a lot. Um, but we didn't really know each other very well. We're friends of Facebook, casual acquaintances, you might say. But he has a new album. It's great. Puritan. Bought it off his band camp. Love it. Solid album. Recommended. Uh, Heavenly Bodies Celestial. <laughs> Heavenly Bodies were a sort of... Dead Can Dance meets dub band in England in the 90s. And 1988, actually, I think. Uh, the singer is Carolyn Seaman. She was better known as a one of the vocalists on This Mortal Coil's album's Blood and Filigree and Shadow. She sings, for example, My Father and Come Here, My Love. Uh, yeah, and so I owned the CD years ago. I sold it, and I was like, you know, I kind of liked that record. Added it to my want list and Discogs. Never bought it, but when I was buying the next album I'm about to mention, they had a very cheap copy for $3, and I was like, all right, I'm going to own the Heavenly Bodies album on vinyl. I just listened to it right before this podcast, and I don't think I listened to that album in like 25 years, but I really, I must have used to listen to it a whole lot, because I knew pretty much every song. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, and then the next album was Kelly Gordon Defunct. So Kelly Gordon was a songwriter, producer, A&R guy in L.A., best known for be, as being, perhaps not best known, but to me best known as being the A&R guy for Bobby Gentry. Signed her to Capitol Records, helped producer, uh, discovered Ode to Billy Joel, Billy Joe. Uh, he put her in the studio. He was there on the recording. He produced the recording. Uh, he claims songwriting credit, but nobody believes him. Uh, and it turned out later he wrote his own album, and it was called Defunct, and Bobby Gentry appears on it. It is not on Spotify. It is nowhere to be found. I paid like 9 or $10 for it because I really wanted to hear it, so I just got the vinyl. Uh, it came yesterday, so I haven't listened to it yet. But uh, I'm very excited about that. I'll tell you how that is next week. Uh, Telefunken and Flying Saucer Attack. Yeah, man, I love Flying Saucer Attack. <laughs> I just love them so much. They're such a great band. This is the second album I listened to on these new Oda Live speakers. The first one was, I forgot, Crystallized Movements, maybe? 
Anyway, the second one was that Flying Saucer Attack album, and I put it on, and I just sat there, and I was like, oh my god, these sounds so good. Uh, yeah, anyway, this is a collaboration album. Flying Saucer Attack recorded a bunch of stuff, and Telefunken uh, remixed it, and they put out an album together. I've owned this album on CD forever. Uh, I think it's probably sold by now. That's what, Yeah, that's what happened. I sold it, added it to my want list, found a cheap copy when I was buying something else, that seems to be the rule of the law here. I like that. And uh, it came, and it was awesome. And what I was buying were two albums by Bright. So Bright is uh, another Boston post-rock band. They were my neighbors. They were our friends. Uh, Mark Dwinnell, Joe, and Paul Lebrecq. They were fantastic. We lived on Arden Street, and they lived two streets over on Haskell Street. No, they lived on Royal Street. Yeah, they lived on Royal Street. We lived on Arden Street. We were all in bands. We all rock and rolled together. And uh, they they were a band before Rockets got started. And they were a huge influence on me. And I loved them so much. And they they did a split single with Juno, Mark, uh, Mark Orleans' band. Paul Lebrecq later married my sister. They got a divorce, but he's a great guy. Joe Lebrecq, his brother, is awesome. I miss that guy. And the Mark Dwinnell, the main guy, he I ran into him uh, last year at uh, Moogfest in Durham. And we had a long talk, and it was really great. And he's in a new band called Forma. They're on Cranky Records. They are much more minimalist than Bright. Um, more synth-based. Maybe not more minimalist, because Bright is very minimalist. <laughs> so I re-listened to two of their albums, Blue Christian and Full Negative Breaks. I owned every Bright album and single ever, and always have. But I wanted to get the vinyl for the ones I owned on CD. And a lot of their stuff is not out on CD, but some of it, or on vinyl, but some of it was. And so I bought those and I gave them a listen again. And they're just so good. Oh my God. They are, they are full on kraut rock. <laughs> they are drony kraut rock. And, and, you know, they made it to the finals of the Rock and Roll Rumble one year. And it was just the funniest thing. These guys just playing like drone rock. And it was, it was great. They, they were great. Oh, I missed them. Uh, Unbunny, Black Strawberries. Unbunny is this guy, Jared. He used to live in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. He was friend of friends. I never met him. We had a bunch of mutual friends. They got me into Unbunny. I loved Unbunny. I think he lives out west now. Somebody told me recently he was in like Portland, the other Portland or something. Um, but yeah, a lot of his stuff is in out of vinyl. Two things were a single I mentioned a few months back and then this album, Black Strawberries. So now I have all the Unbunny that is on vinyl. Uh, have not re-listened to Black Strawberries. Looking forward to it. That's, that's, that's tomorrow's task. Uh, and then Spice, oh yeah, right, okay, so Spice, uh, self-titled album by a band named Spice, uh, they're from San Francisco, they are on Deus Records, Gibby's label, uh, it came out a while back, six, eight months ago, I mentioned it to you guys back then, it's a great record, I really love it, that was the first record I listened to on the new speakers, and it was awesome sounding, it's a really good record, it's got a green cover, um, strong recommend, and I got that on vinyl because I ordered the Coil reissue of, of uh, Music to Play in the Dark that Deus Records put out and it was back ordered and it just shipped and I did one of those group my shipment things I wasn't in a rush to get the spice album I was you know so yeah that all arrived this week as well uh and I listened to that coil album and it's really good I forgot all about how good coil was like I really love early coil like uh horse rotivator and up through uh love secret domain like you know like the hellraiser themes angelic conversation all that stuff i i've owned all that on vinyl since it came out like i've been a coil fan since like 1989 or something um but and i had music to play in the dark the original but i sold it i sold all my coil because it was worth so much money <laughs> Good. when i first got into discogs i'd be like wait this record's worth 600 dollars. i don't okay i don't need it <laughs> 
I had like Ape and Naples original box set. I had all this stuff and I just sold it all. The early stuff that I really love, like Horse Rotivator and stuff, even Love Secret Domain are not worth a lot. So I still have all that vinyl. But the later periods of I just kept buying it when it came out. I never I never even thought twice. New Coil Record just bought, just bought, just bought. And that stuff appreciated in value so much. And I was just like, when we moved here, I was so broke. I think I paid like $3,000 selling just Coil Records in 19 or 2015. So I don't I don't own any of it anymore. <laughs> and then Gibby's been re-releasing it all on Deus. So I'm like, cool, these are affordable versions of it, you know. Uh, but they're all very limited edition and they're already selling for like 70, 80 bucks for it. I actually bought three different colors of it, so I own three copies. It's like a shopping cart mix-up. But as I was putting them into discogs, two of them are very limited edition, like editions of 200 and they're already like worth a bunch of money. So I think I'm just gonna sell them again. <laughs> I'll keep one. I'll keep the black one, I guess. But uh, yeah, those came in. And then uh, just yesterday, uh, the new solo album by Paul Leary, the first ever solo album by Paul Leary, who is the lead singer of the Butthole Servers. My mom listens to my podcast, but she says she quits by the time I get to the music. So I think she already knew about the Butthole Servers anyway. She was a vice principal in high school in the 80s. Um, anyway, yeah, he's got a new solo album. Haven't listened to it yet. Listen to the lead single, Born Stupid, came out a couple weeks ago. It was fun. Uh, don't know what to expect from a solo album from Paul Leary in the year 2010, 2021. That's going to be pretty weird. Yeah, so that's all the vinyl that I bought. God. <laughs> the good news is I didn't listen to much other music this week, so we are almost done with this whole section. Uh, yeah, I was like... Um, not a lot of new stuff coming out. I listened to all that vinyl, so that was most of my week. And then, you know, a couple albums, but not a whole lot. Crystallized Movements, let's see what that is. I had Liturgy. Oh, yeah, I'm really into this new band, Liturgy. They're not new. They're all two or three albums in. They are a transgender black metal band from Brooklyn, and they rule. <laughs> I listened to both their albums. Uh, the new one is called Hack, H-A-Q-Q, is an acronym, all caps, with periods. And it was great. Uh, spray paint into the country. Uh, Chris Brokaw recommended this on his Instagram. He was playing their club or something like that. Oh, doing a, it was an internet show, but it was on behalf of a venue that the people in that band run upstate New York. I think that's right. But anyway, let's do it. It's a good record. I was really into it. Kind of countryish, but I was a little, little punky, a little new wave. It was good. Not countryish at all. They into the country is the name of the album. It's a little punky, a little new wave. Really into it. Trippy Hearts. Uh, that is a band that my friend Jen Sutkowski is in. Uh, I knew her in Boston. I believe she lives somewhere in the Midwest now, like Minnesota, maybe. She's in a band. They're called Trippy Hearts. She put it on her Instagram, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to listen to it." The album is called Lace Wing, and I really enjoyed it. It's like uh, it kind of reminded me of this band called Milk Money in Boston in the '90s, which was like a Riot Girl thing, but dirgy, right? Or maybe like the more melodic of the old Riot Girl stuff. It definitely got like a like a melodic Riot Girl influence going on to it. It was really good. Uh, and then because of Crystallized Movements, I checked Spotify and they had no Crystallized Movements, but they had their successor band, Magic Hour, and I have all the Magic Hour albums but one, but that album was on Spotify, so I gave it a listen. It's called The Roots of Confusion, Seeds of Joy, and it was great. Love Magic Hour, love Psych Rock. Uh, listen to the new Taylor Swift EP, the Dropped Your Hand While Dancing chapter. I don't know what it was about. So one or two new songs, a lot of remixes. It was fine. I'm actually really obsessed with my Taylor Swift vinyl of Folklore, and I listen to it like three times a week. I'm not going to lie. It sounds really good on the new speakers. Oh, my God. I'm going to listen to it as soon as I'm done with this podcast. Uh, the Capsules, The Long Goodbye. So, uh, and then another album by them called Northern Lights and Southern Skies. This all ties into Annie and her archiving and 
the Sydney Talk Tour and Bowery Electric and all of us playing at uh, Quest in Minneapolis. And there's another band on that show, and they're on some of the shows in the tour, but they are touring. When you go on tour, there's other bands that are going on tour, and you play the same clubs like, you know the night before or the night after over and over again. So you're on these tours and you see the posters for all these other bands. And so we met shallow, we were playing with them and then we'd see posters for them at all these other shows. And anyway, I was really into shallow. I was in love with the lead singer. Uh, and I was telling this story on my Facebook and my friend Keith Urim was like, they have a band now and they're called the capsules. And neither one of us knew of this. He just thought to look it up. I never had. And so we listened to both the albums and they were pretty good. They sound a little, a lot like shallow, less space rock, but still kind of drony. It was good. I'm into them a little bit dancier. Uh, recommended the capsules. Uh, then I listened to the Cindy Talk show and the, and the We Are Drained for Angels. We Are All Drained for Angels show. Uh, Death Bells, New Signs of Life. Death Bells is another band on Dias Records. I was on their site for some reason, not buying anything. I think because my shipment came in of the Coil Records and the Spice Record, I wanted to see if anything new was coming out on them. And there was. There's this band, Death Bells, and I'd never heard of them. So I listened to the album, and it's good. It's like a sort of poppy, punky new wave. That's not, That doesn't sound right. That makes it sound more like a, not like Offspring, more like uh, Section 25 or, no, that's not right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Like the fall, maybe. No, that's not right. Uh, maybe the buzzcock. A mellow buzzcock. Sorry, we're going to go with that. Uh, then I listened to that Swan's Various Failures album I was telling you guys about because it is on Spotify and I had been listening to Burning World over and over again. I was like, well, what else is on here? And it's a bunch of World of Skin stuff. A lot of stuff I own on vinyl, but I don't have on CD. So I listened to that whole thing on Spotify just to listen to it. And then we got Slap Happy. <laughs> Okay, so I bought the Pale Saints uh, Blue Flower CD single for like 99 cents on Discogs because it was one of the... I wanted it as a physical object because it was of an era where 4AD had really nice promo singles. They were pink and orange and they were just really pretty and they used that design, this Chris Biggs, Von Oliver design. So I bought it like as an art object more than a CD, right? Because I already own Pale Saints on vinyl. <laughs> but uh, also it was the only Pale Saints release I didn't know and so I was like, whatever, it's 99 cents. So I was archiving it in Discogs, putting it in my collection. And in, in Discogs, it says at the bottom, uh, Blue Flower is a cover by the German band Slap Happy. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought Blue Flower was a cover of Mazzy Star. Mazzy Star has the song Blue Flower on their debut album. And I thought all these years, since 1992, when it happened, that the Pale Saints were covering Mazzy Star. But no, my whole life I have been mistaken. And Mazzy Star, in fact, also covered this German band called Slap Happy, who I have never heard of. So I look them up on Discogs and sure enough, their debut album called Sort Of, Slap Happy has two Ps, by the way. Well, Slap has two Ps. Happy also has two Ps. Slap Happy has four Ps. Their debut album, sort of, and there it is, Blue Flower. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to hear this right now. So I go to Spotify and there's a bunch of other slap happy albums, Casablanca Moon and Desperate Straits. I listen to them. They're fine. But I learned that Slap Happy was a German, you know, prog rock band. They moved to England. They joined another band for a while and they decided they didn't like that other band. So they became Slap Happy again. 
went back to Germany and were backed mainly by members of Faust. And I'm like, I need this. And uh, <laughs> it's not anywhere on the internet, right? Well, okay, so the album is not on Spotify, to clarify. So I'm like, whatever, I bet there's a cheap copy on Discogs. I go to Discogs. There are no copies of the CD or vinyl, including a recent 21st century CD reissue for less than $60. And I'm like, what the heck, man? Like, why isn't there some cheap album or a cheap cover? So I eventually find the song Blue Flower by Slap Happy is on YouTube. So I listen to it and I'm like, okay, this is, this is Blue Flower. Waiting for a sign from you. Waiting for a signal to change. Have you forgotten what your love can do? Is this the end? Uh, anyway, uh, superstar in your own private movie. I wanted just a minor part, but I'm no fool. I'll know you're cruel. I never really wanted your heart. Anyway, yeah, it's a slap happy song, right? So I'm like, that's crazy. So I really want the CD and I can't find it anywhere. And then I, on alert, I look on Amazon and it's actually for sale on Amazon for like $12. And I'm like, ha, that can't be real. There's not a copy, a single copy on Discogs for less than $80. But I will buy it and see. I just assume it's some scammer, like one of those people on, Dis on Amazon that puts things for sale. And then this just happened to me when I sold that. Um, when I sold that BG CD, it was going to another record store and I'm like sure that he has it on like, you know, Amazon or something for twice as much money. And he just bought a copy when he needed it. Right. That happens all the time. But no, in fact, the album shipped the next day and it's here already. It's that's the CD I referred to earlier that's sitting on my work table. Uh, so, you know, you can get it for like $12 on Amazon, but you can't get it for less than 60 on Discogs. I've never seen that before. It was really weird, but I have not listened to it yet. But there's more to this story. I'm listening to Casablanca Moon, another album by Slap Happy that is on, Dis on Spotify. And there's a song that comes on called The Drum. It's like, are you listening to the sound of the drum? Don't you know you're nothing left but bong water? Except for they don't say bong water. I say bong water because I know that song because it's on the album Too Much Sleep by Bong Water, which I got into in 1993. And for the last 18 years, I thought the drum was a song by bong water. Just like for the last 20 years, I thought Blue Flower was a song by Pale Saints. But in fact, they're both by this band Slap Happy. It's crazy, man. Uh, and you know what? After all of this slap happy, they're not actually that good of a band. <laughs> I don't actually enjoy them too much. They got like a very sort of grating female lead singer. I mean, not like grating in a good way, like Jarbo or Diamanda Galas or something like just kind of like our pitch just doesn't sit well with me. But uh, they wrote some good songs, man. <laughs> it's pretty weird. Oh, my God. I really thought this was going to be a quick podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, TV. Finished The Expanse. Uh, it was a great season, really phenomenal. I thought the pacing was all weird in the last episode. I don't want to do spoilers, but uh, I think they could have broken that into two episodes and it would have been better, much like I believe that of The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, WandaVision we're watching. Last night's episode was crazy. Kind of need to rewatch it. It was good. I'm enjoying it. I was really bored for the first two episodes or so of, the, of that show. But they've really taken it up a notch. You could tell they were planning to... They, they basically fooled us all. You know? <laughs> uh, we watched two episodes of this animated show called The Great North. It has a really great cast, like Zach Galifianakis and, and, and uh, 
what's her name? Alanis Morissette. It's really weird. Um, Jenny Slate. And it takes place in Alaska. It's about an Alaskan family. So I was like, well, I got to watch a little bit of this. But like all TV shows about Alaskan families, A, it takes place in the south of Alaska. They, nobody wants to make a show about Fairbanks. <laughs> they all take place in some mythical place, like somewhere near like Seward or something, you know? Uh, and they're fishing, you know, it's fishing Alaska. It's not my Alaska. I mean, fishing Alaska is definitely the cooler, better Alaska. Don't get me wrong. But anyway. Uh, it was fun. I don't know if we're going to keep watching it. Maybe we actually, you know what? As I'm saying this, I want to watch more of that. So we will. Uh, I've been watching football. going to watch the Super Bowl tomorrow. Didn't watch football in a year. Didn't really like watching football. I'm kind of against football. But um, uh, why did we watch? We watched a game. Oh, so there's a couple things going on. One is Tom Brady's no longer with the Patriots. And ignoring politics and... Uh, how awful football is with their helmets and whatnot. And uh, Colin, if, you, if you're ignoring all the problematic things about football, we were broadly speaking Pats fans, except for we knew, you know, and now that Tom Brady's gone, we're like, cool, we don't have to root for Tom Brady. We can think he's a jerk like everybody else. But, you know, there was like the Patriots playing Tom Brady, right? So we had to watch that. That's what we watched. But Tom Brady beat the Patriots. So I guess we're sad, except there's this whole complication because Emma's college friend's dad is Tom Brady's quarterback coach at the Bucks. So I guess like, I don't know, we were talking about this at the bonfire last night. And, and also my neighbor Levi was like, don't you, you're old, dude. Don't you just have to root for the old guy? I was like, oh crap. I don't know. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to watch a Super Bowl, I guess. I'm not happy about it. But also advertising. I have been in advertising for 20 years. I used to actually live blog the Super Bowl for Ad Week, so maybe I should watch it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, watched a couple more Drunk Histories, but we only have two left, so now we're going really slow on that. Watched SNL. It was good. Uh, <laughs> like, the, like the opening. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it was fine. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. We haven't been watching a lot. I have not been watching a lot. Just a lot of MSNBC, because politics are still crazy. They're getting less crazy. You can feel them getting less crazy, but there's just so much to do, and you got, like, so many crazy people you still got to deal with, like MTG. And, uh, you know, you got, like, the inexplicable two extra weeks that it took to form the Senate committees after McConnell supposedly folded. You got the drama around the filibuster. You got, like, are they going to pass this... Uh, you know, this this stimulus bill, like, what are we doing about immigration? Like you got a rebellious ice that's ignoring like Biden's orders. You got lawsuits doing stays. You got like Supreme court cases that Biden has to decide if he's going to keep like, uh, fighting or not. You got like Merrick Garland still hasn't been confirmed. Pete Buttigieg is our secretary of transportation though. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. First openly gay cabinet member. Anyway, it's just been so much that we're still watching the news. It's, it's kind of like PTSD. I need to see the world get a little bit better, you know? But then there's climate. There's still things I'm like, you got to fix this. You got to do this. You got to I'm not talking about it as much, but it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about it as much, right? Anyway, so just not a lot of TV. Uh, but I do watch all my YouTubes when I'm taking care of Jane in the evening on my days. We take turns taking care of Jane so we can get some free time. Uh, she colors. I watch YouTube. I've been watching a lot of gardeners. I watched this really one great one about pigs yesterday. This guy is like a pig farmer and, uh, he, uh, he eats them and it's not good, man. Pigs are so awesome. We shouldn't be eating pigs. I eat pigs. I need to stop. It's a problem, but they're just so cute. And I want them and they like, will mulch your trees. And <laughs> we're sitting back in the backyard and 
at the bonfire, my, my neighbor Levi is talking about how he wants to thin all his lead, his woods because the foxes hide in there and they get to his chickens. I'm like, well, if you had pigs, they would thin the woods for you because <laughs> they do. They knocked over small pine trees and stuff. It's awesome. Pigs are awesome. And little baby pigs are so cute. But Emma says we can't get pigs. Uh, I watched the Chateau guy. I uh, learned how to like take seeds out of tomatoes and do my own seeds. I've been watching this weird, uh, like these DIY ladies, hot ladies doing DIY, Shelby Church, uh, Isabel Page, Hannah Lee Duggan. Uh, and <laughs> I just find them very fascinating uh, and very soothing. And I like to see people making money off of YouTube. It's nice, you know. I've been watching this carpentry guy build a cabin in the woods and I. At the beginning, I was like, this guy's so good. And later on, I was like, yeah, he's not as good as I thought he was. He's cutting a lot of corners. It's kind of weird. Another guy out in Asheville that's building a house in his backyard. I like him. He's really good. Uh, and then Civ Live Streamers, Potato McWhiskey. Uh, the game mechanics disappeared on from YouTube. I think he's just doing Twitch. I kind of miss that guy. I hope he's holding up okay. I hope you're holding up okay, game mechanic. Uh, movies, I didn't watch it. Uh, we watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, finally. <laughs> And I was like, we need to watch that Richard Rogers movie. We never watched it. It's like, oh yeah, we didn't. So we watched it. That was very good. Tom Hanks did a very good job. It's weird. He doesn't actually look anything like Mr. Rogers, but he really nailed Mr. Rogers. And just watching that movie had a very positive impact on my parenting. I just kind of try and talk to Mr. Like Mr. Rogers to Jane now. And she really responds better. Like if you slow down, you know, talk slowly, wait for her. It's great. Uh, and rewatch Southland Tales, like I said, and I watched that two-hour documentary that Alexei Nalvani put up about Putin's palace, the history of the world's largest bribe. It has English subtitles. That guy talks faster than I do, and it's like a two-hour massive information dump, but it's intensely interesting if you want to know about it. It's basically a Putin documentary. I strongly recommend it. It's been watched by like 30 million people, and it's like a big driver of the Russian protests, so, you know, do your civic duty and all that. I finished the book, Ministry for the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson. That was a crazy book in so many ways. Highly educational, highly pessimistic, highly optimistic, highly realistic, highly unrealistic. All in one. It was really weird. And it ended super weirdly. But it was very good. I recommend it, I think. A little too long. Uh, and opens with the most upsetting, staggeringly painful first chapter of any book I've ever read. It is a hard science fiction near future climate change book. Just to warn you, it's, it, it hurts, but it was very informative. And actually, if you want to learn about a lot of the drivers of climate change and climate mitigation, things like carbon capture, modern monetary theory, um, you know, the right is right. A lot of stuff Naomi Klein writes about that. I've been talking about. If you want to learn more about that stuff, but you want it in a fictional plot form, this is the book. It's, it's worth it. Recommended. And now I'm reading Kill Switch, The Rise of the Modern Senate and the Crippling of the American Democracy by Adam Gentleson. Adam Gentleson was a legislative aide to Harry Reid when he was Senate Majority Leader, and it is a history of the filibuster, uh, which I knew most of. I did not know about the John C. Calhoun makings of it. Uh, I did not know the specific mechanics of Rule 22. I did not know about, I knew Richard Russell, who's a racist jerk was mostly responsible for the filibuster in its modern form as he held back uh, civil rights. I did not realize that the uh, filibuster up until the 60s was basically only ever used for civil rights. And uh, I did not realize, know the exact mechanics of how uh, Dick Russell made the modern filibuster. There's a moment Truman made a very unforced error that 
Richard Russell seized upon to make the modern filibuster. The one that we, you know, that you can filibuster without filibustering, right? We all know about Mr. Smith goes to Washington filibuster where they sit there and talk all the time. That's the one they teach you in school, pretending it's like got some use. But Richard Russell was responsible for the one that uh, they use now, which is like, all you have to do is be like, not, and then it just doesn't go to the floor. So that needs to go. I'm convinced we need to get rid of it. We need to get rid of the filibuster. It was never intended to be this way, not by the framers, not by even the people that passed the rules. And, uh, you know, people like Steve Manchin are just kind of full of it when they say that it needs to be kept. They're wrong. And also, I no longer buy the arguments that if we do it, the Republicans will get more of their way than we will because a, they already like are filibustering because they have such a minority and B yeah, whatever. I mean, read the book. It's great. Um, as a side note, uh, as recently as last session, Chuck Schumer tried to take Richard Russell's name off of the Senate office building. Richard Russell was a huge racist and, the man, I mean, you could argue that Richard Russell is responsible for thousands of deaths. He held up, single-handedly held up civil rights for 30 years, right? And uh, his name is on one of the three Senate office buildings. And last year, Chuck Schumer put a bill forward to say that it should be renamed for John McCain. And the Republicans blocked it. They blocked a bill changing the name of an office building from a Democrat to a Republican, from a racist to a non-racist. And uh, the two Republican senators from Georgia were instrumental in blocking the bill, saying they, from their home state, did not want this. Now, of course, we have two uh, Democratic senators from Georgia, and one of them is black. So I would imagine they'd go along with taking the name off the building. And we have the majority. And I know it's not the most important thing on Biden's plate, but they really need to rename that stupid building. What they need to do is introduce two laws, two bills, one to rename the building for John McCain and one to rename the building for Hubert Humphrey. <laughs> do the vote on the first one and just let them know if you don't pass this one. We are going to rename the building for Hubert Humphrey and, sh and just ram it through. And it needs to happen this year because it's just appalling. Uh, and I think that's about it. about two minutes shorter than last week so man these are really long these days but you know i don't leave my house and i get a lot of stuff done and i consume a lot of media so thank you for listening and thank you for bearing with me and drop a line and tell me some stuff because i like hearing from you guys we're all a little lonely these days say hi and i'll talk to you guys in two weeks take care <laughs>